Our message is entitled, uh, Restoring Faith. And this is so important for our, uh, so many people today because when it comes to faith, there's so many people that struggle, so many people that have a hard time. And th even this past week, I had a, a lot of good conversations um, with uh, people that I haven't seen for many years, uh, pre-COVID. And because of that, um, there's a lot that went on with a lot of these you know, brothers and sisters and people that I know in their life. And as I was able to talk with them, um, they were filled with a lot of scars, a lot of different things. And I was just like, wow. And what's crazy is the thing that they're scarred by has nothing to do with the gospel, right? It usually isn't. It's usually somebody, or it's usually some type of action um, or something, right? And that, that, that seemed to be a common theme. And today's message is going to kind of address that because we have to really get to the bottom of how we can restore our faith if we're in a state that is not so great. So in our intro, I want to ask these two questions. And these are questions that probably a lot of you may have as well. Why are so many Christians without answers? And why are there so many people struggling, right? And the two kind of main culprits that I could see as kind of thinking through the conversations I had is this. Vague gospel and, come on, inaccessible Christianity, right? A vague Christianity and an inex inaccessible Christianity. What do I mean by that? Um, so many people can say good, meaning, meaningful things, right? Like, you know, have faith <laughs> when you struggle or, you know, um, just pray more or, and all these things are great, you know, they're, they're not wrong. <laughs> but it's so vague where there are people that know, that seem to get it, and people that don't know, that seems to fall further and further away from Christ. And even when you ask, how can I get to where you are, it really is very vague. And what we need today is not a vague Christianity. We don't need a vague, like, answers. We need very specific, we need very meaningful in the terms of reality type of answers. And because so many times, you know, we're around this culture of just Christian talk, right? Christianity seems very inaccessible. Like you have to be in the club, right? In the Christian club in order to get it, in order to feel like this thing called grace is happening, right? And faith is happening. But when we look at Jesus and his ministry, when we look at what Jesus and what's going on even in today's passage, right now it might not seem like much is happening, but we'll go through that here today. We start to realize that this Christianity, this gospel that Jesus is talking about is very accessible. But a lot of times it's people that make it very inaccessible and difficult. So our first point here today is this. Why is things so vague and why are things so inaccessible? Number one here today is this. Mistaken identity. 
people have a vague idea of who Jesus actually is. Even in today's passage, verse 13 through 15, we see all kinds of different mistaken identities, right? We see John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. They never said that Jesus, you are the Christ. They say, you are John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? He preached a message of repentance, right? He preached the message of, you know, seek the kingdom. Those things are very good. It's a good message. But is John the Baptist Jesus? Is he the Christ? No. Is that why Jesus came, to just say to people, repent? No. Is repentance important? Yes, <laughs> it is. But that wasn't the main reason why he came. Some people say, Elijah, what did Elijah do? He worked in the miracles. He worked in signs and wonders. It's important, right? It's important to see healing take place, miracles take place. But is Elijah the Christ? Is he Jesus? No. But so many people make him into Jesus. Elijah's, Jesus is Elijah. No, he's not. Some people say, oh, you're like Jeremiah. What did Jeremiah do? He prayed for his own nation. He had a heart for his own nation, Israel. He was known as the weeping prophet because he would cry so often for his own people and how far they have fallen. And in that way, you know, that's important to really have this ministry that does care. But, you know, it sounds, it sounds bad <laughs> saying it like this, but is that Jesus? Is Jeremiah the Christ? No, unfortunately not. Is Jesus one of the prophets? You know, a lot of the prophets talked about the end times and all these different things that would happen to Israel. All these things are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but we have to put them in the right place. And we have to understand that all of these descriptions that people had of Jesus was actually not Jesus. And that's why Jesus asked the question, but who do you say I am to his disciples, right? Isn't that crazy? When first, if Jesus first says, well, what do people say that I am? And then they say, oh, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he turns the question on to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Oh, probably the same, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's, that's how so many times people are today. It's like, yeah, Jesus is all about repentance. Or Jesus is all about miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus is all about, you know, praying for the nation and doing all these great things and, you know, like, take care of the poor and take care of this. And those are all good. But that's not the main reason why Jesus came. But we always make it the main reason. And that's why I'm saying we're holding on to a very vague Jesus because this is not why Jesus came. And this is something that we mistake in so many times when it comes to who Jesus actually is. And people, it's like no wonder people struggle because we're not really enjoying the power of Christ in our life if we're holding on to a very vague Jesus. 
When our Christianity is vague, you know who knows the best that we're being vague? The world. <laughs> the world can tell if we're being fake, if we're not genuine. And this is why it's so important to start thinking, then who is Jesus? Right? Will the real Jesus stand up? Right? This is who we need today. But are we looking for him? Our second point is this. We need to know who the real Jesus is then, right? Verse 16 and 17, uh, one of the, uh, this is probably the greatest confession, where Simon Peter, he says this, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the greatest confession that was made in the Bible because it's not declaring Jesus as, oh, you know, you're the Christ. That's why we call you Jesus Christ now, right? No. We have to dive into it a little bit. Christ or Messiah, same word, different language, means anointed one. And only specific roles and positions in, in culture was allowed to receive this anointing and that were set apart for, uh, by God in Israel. And those three positions were prophet, priest, and king. And a prophet would be anointed with oil. A priest would be anointed with oil. And even the king of Israel would be anointed with oil to signify that they are set apart by God. But the Christ, the Messiah, would be all three. And this is why Jesus came. What does this mean for us? It means this. This is the fundamental root cause of a lot of the problems that we do see today, that we've been separated from God. We have left God from the beginning, Genesis chapter 3. And we've sep separated ourselves, and then we've fallen into sin. Sin isn't just doing something bad or doing something evil, but sin is actually being separated from God, not being able to communicate. And we fall under the authority of Satan. It doesn't mean that we are like, oh, I'm a Satan worshiper now. No. It means that we, we start following his narrative for our lives, and it's a narrative towards destruction. Without Christ, we kind of get stuck in this pattern, feeling alone because we're so separated, stuck in sin, and stuck in this narrative that just is horrible. The word despair comes to mind when we follow the narrative of Satan. And that's why Jesus, he came as the solution to this fundamental problem. And that's why he blots it out, <laughs> cancels it out. That's why he came as the Christ. That's why we need Jesus today. It's because without him, we can't solve this, pro we can't solve this problem of separation, sin, and Satan. There's no amount of effort or good works that we can do that cancels this out. We're just stuck. We're just left to fend for ourselves with our limited strength, with our limited resources, with our limited everything. And when we're alone, 
with our limitations, that's a recipe for disaster. Even King Solomon, he had everything that the world had to offer. But in Ecclesiastes, we see that confession, everything is meaningless except for worshiping God. And this is the conclusion that he came to because without God, the only option is to take one's own life. Because what is there to live for? And it's a very sad reality that we see today where people don't see the purpose of living. But God has made you, created you with purpose, with a, with a meaning <laughs> to this life. And it's when we start to restore Jesus for who he truly is that we start to see who we truly are. Because this is all, <laughs> come on, <laughs> based in relationship. Where it's this relationship that we have. I mean, it's, it's for relationship that Jesus came. So that we are not alone. It's not something that we, these problems that, we, that stem from this fundamental problem is not something that we need to solve alone. As you go through your week, don't battle depression alone. Don't battle your stress alone. Don't battle anger alone. It's good that you receive answers here at church, but more than church, we need answers in our day-to-day because -day, that's what really matters. That's what really counts. That's, that's what really changes the world around us because then we have something real to share. But if it's vague, if it's just, oh, I heard from somebody, if it's a secondary or tertiary <laughs> resource, and it's not from you, you know what I mean? There, there's very little to share. But when you see how God is working in the midst of real problems, then there's something, right? Then there is, you, you start to see the power of God work in midst of weakness, in midst of not the ideal of situations or circumstances, you start to see something beyond that. That's why, third point, we start to see the works of God. What are these works? We see the church being built, right? He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On what? On that confession. That's why I'm saying this is the greatest confession, that Jesus is to Christ. It's because Peter made that confession. It's on that confession Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the, get, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So all of Satan's schemes, all of his strategies, all his lies will not overcome it. And on top of that, we have this really great blessing the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What is that? Because <laughs> that sounds kind of vague, right? It's, it really is sim as simple as communication with God, prayer. And let me kind of dive into that. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that's what we're doing with what God has given us. We're carrying out his will, 
carrying out his plans here on this earth. If there are patterns that are leading towards death in your field, in your workplace, then we're praying for that to crumble down. And when we're praying with the promises of God, we're, yes, loosing his blessings from heaven, pouring down to this earth to loose whatever is taking place on this earth. And whatever needs to be bound here on this earth, God binds in heaven. All of Satan's tricks, all of his lies, all his you know, demonic type of things that are happening all over the United States and the world, we really need to understand the authority that God has given us to fight the right battle. It's easy to fight people that we see. It's easy to fight when we can sense it with our senses. But when it's a spiritual battle, uh, we need to be aware. We really do. And it's not so obvious at times. But as we hold on to God's word, just like we learned last week as well, God's word is a lie detector. It can detect Satan and his lies. So conclusion is this. There's a time schedule. And what I mean by that is this. Verse 20, the, the weird verse, right? Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What? I thought he wanted us to share the gospel, right? I thought he wanted us to tell the world that he is the Christ. Yes. But we have to see where the disciples are right now, right? In this conversation, have they seen the cross? No. Jesus has not been crucified yet. Have they seen Mount of Olives where Jesus shared, the resurrected Jesus shared about the kingdom for 40 days? Have they seen that yet? No. Have they seen the works that took place at Pentecost in Mark's upper room? No. During this time schedule, it was for them to, hey, guys, come. Come and see. <laughs> right? Come and see this person, Jesus. Because the primary source is right there, right? <laughs> the first, the main source is right there. So there's a time schedule even for our own lives as well. We don't have to win, right, in our walk of faith compared to other people. We don't have to try to be perfect. But in God's time, yes, there will be a time where you're, you'll be able to share. You'll be able to evangelize. Don't look at the people that are out on the streets with megaphones and saying, you're going to go to hell and... That's not who you need to compare yourself to. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't fully agree with everything that does, that people that do do that. Um, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but we need to look at how God is leading. And we have to look at also the evangelism that Jesus had done. How did Jesus evangelize? He went to eat with the sinners. <laughs> he didn't go to them and said, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell, and especially you're going to go to hell. He never preached anything like that. He preached, or he talked to them. He ate with them, and then he shared good news with them. You know who Jesus preached? You brood of vipers. You're, you're, what you're preaching is from hell. 
You know who he preached that to? The religious leaders. He preached that to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the religious leaders in these Jewish communities. Because what they were preaching had nothing to do with the gospel. Like I was mentioning, so many people getting hurt by things that have nothing to do with the gospel. This is what we need to condemn. Because this is what is killing so many people from the inside out. And what we need to ask ourselves and what we need to pursue is this. What does our faith look like in reality? Not just at church, not what's going through your mind right now, but what's going through your mind right now on Monday, right? What's going through your mind right now on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until we meet again on Sunday? The answers that you receive from that are going to be greater than the answers you receive today. Today will set you up for those answers. But we need to start by knowing the true Christ, knowing the true Jesus, the one who came as the Christ, our prophet, priest, and king, who made the way as the prophet, who forgave our sins as the priest, and one who has given us authority as the king to fight Satan, to fight through the lies that go through our minds, right? That, that go to the very depths of our soul. Those lies need to be exposed and conquered, and it's not done by positive thinking, you know? Positive thinking, it's a good, good tool, but sometimes it's not enough. Then what? What happens when you run out? And this is what, why faith is so important, why this relationship with Jesus is so important. But I want to kind of re-emphasize, re and this is something that I've shared before, is that we're called to be pioneers, right? And what I mean by pioneers is there's not a lot of people actually doing this, holding on to the gospel for what it truly is and seeing how God answers them throughout their week, in their workplace, in their schooling. Like imagine you receive answers for, let's say you're, you struggle with depression and you receive answers in Christ as you go through hard times with Jesus then you can give an answer to people that are struggling alongside of you. Maybe at work, you know, there are people that are struggling in different ways. With stress, they don't know how to handle it. And they take very not so great approaches to handling it. But how about you? Like we need pioneers that have this gospel because we need more witnesses. So many missionaries will say, you know, the field is plenty, and even the Bible says that too, right? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And that's the thing. If we don't know the true Jesus, we don't see that. We only see our weaknesses. We only see what we lack. We only see just the problems. 
But to supersede, to transcend above those problems, it starts with knowing Jesus for who he truly is and enjoying him personally as my Christ, one who has solved this separation issue from God. I'm no longer alone. One who has forgiven my sins. Sometimes that's, a, that's a hard one for some people, for many people, because it's hard for us to forgive ourselves sometimes. But we're asking God for faith to trust that he has forgiven us. Enjoy that blessing. And then enjoy the authority that he has given you to actually pray and fight the right fight. Not against flesh and blood, but against what Satan is doing behind the scenes. So as we hold on to today's message, let's really ask ourselves honestly where, where we are. What part of our faith needs to be restored? What part of our, of our faith needs to, what part needs mending, right? And as we do so, really discovering real answers for real problems, for our reality. Because not only do we need it, the people around us need it too. It might not be so clear to you right now, that's okay. But start with finding that time to enjoy Christ.